Man, so it's, uh, it's very windy today. This big cold front came in where it went from just the death of summer, <laughs> you know, where I'm just like sweating through my clothes every day, just like awful, to all of a sudden in one day, the wackiness of uh, Atlantic Canada. I'm wearing gloves and like a little toque, a little hat. Got my fall coat on, but it's nice because uh, I hate summer. Like I was saying last time, I hate it. Being crazy hot like that, it's not, uh, it's not fun. I, uh, I liked it when I was a kid. As an adult, I like this way better. It feels so much better to just bundle up, put on some layers. However, man, that wind. I didn't really realize how windy it was till I turned on this recorder. And uh, it's not so bad because I'm in the woods now, so the wind is just going above me, but I cannot, <laughs> I like can't record outside of the woods because uh, you don't notice. It's weird, like, I've never like done any official audio schooling. It's all just stuff I've learned by myself, but it's really interesting how different the human ear is to how a microphone records because your ear is connected to your brain and your brain kind of filters out a lot of shit. Like when you're sitting across the room from somebody, you can talk to them and it's fine. Where if you set up a microphone across the room from somebody, it sucks because it's just getting the flat sound and it's no good. Where your brain picks out the important stuff for you. Or like with this wind, my brain just ignores the wind. It's like, yeah, well, just wind, not important. But the microphone doesn't uh, ignore shit. <laughs> it records everything and you're like, holy fuck, it's windy. So we'll have that nice uh, eeriness of the wind above. Today's also a slightly weird day because uh, this apartment that I'm uh, stuck in until next spring, they're doing work on the roof and I'm at the very top. So it's just so loud, just hammering on the roof. So I got up way earlier than I intended to, a couple hours earlier, because I was like, this is insane. I can't sleep through this. I'll just get up and get out of here. And then of course, as soon as I got all my shit together and was all set to go, they stopped. <laughs> then when I went outside, there was nobody on the roof anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever. Fuck it. I'm already up. But it uh, feels kind of good. Get up early. I was going to go to a coffee shop, but instead I just wandered around through these woods and ended up just staying here. Did some writing. So I'm at that nice little point now where I kind of got past the loginess of waking up. Feel a little energized because it's just weird to get some writing done this early in the day. And I drank a little energy drink. So all that together, I'm like, all right, feeling all right. Let's do a little podcast. Because I had three things, three different little writerly things I wanted to talk about. First, though, I guess, medical update, because last episode was all about how I was stuck inside all summer with my horrible chronic pains. So unfortunately, they have not gone away. There is definitely something that I'm going to need to see a doctor about, something that is not going away. I think, just from again doing my own little research, so who knows, I could be very wrong, but there's this thing called varicocelles, I think it's called. It's basically varicose veins that dudes get in their groin area, and uh, that really does seem to be what I got, because if I sit down, like I was saying last time, it's hard to sit. So if I sit down, or if I lie down in the wrong position, pressure just starts to build up, and it's very painful. However, as long as I don't do that, I'm remarkably okay. So I just double down on what I was saying last time. I just don't sit down. I just don't do it, <laughs> you know? I just sat on a bench for 20 minutes to do a little writer stuff. But that might be it. That might be it for the day. That might be my sitting down quota because I got a standing desk at home and... Uh, yeah, just as long as I don't sit, I feel pretty good. It hardly hurts at all. So it's very maintainable. And it's such a small price to pay. There's kind of upsides to standing up. It's good. Seems like it's good for my shoulder. Apparently sitting down was making my bad scoliosis shoulder even worse. 
and it's just amazing to not hurt <laughs> you know just to be able to get up and walk through the woods without thinking about it everything's just fine it's not a not a big deal it doesn't hurt or uh, I mean things were so bad during the summer like I just realized the other day that when I wake up now I just wake up and get out of bed and I don't think about it <laughs> where at the peak of my summertime chronic pain I had to think about it. I couldn't just get out of bed. I had to go very slow and maneuver very carefully. And like once I was laying down, if I had to get up for something, it was like, ah, fuck, I gotta get up. <laughs> like that's how careful I had to be. It was horrifyingly shitty. So this is really not bad. Not sitting down <laughs> sounds crazy, but it's a small price to pay. It's really quite easy to avoid. But obviously in the long term, yeah, something is going on here that is not just going to heal itself. Ooh, can hear trees creaking. I saw a tree fall over yesterday. Not a big one, but then one of the regular paths I walk on did have a huge tree that just boom fell down over it. I'm going to have to be like mildly careful while I'm out here that the tree doesn't fall on me. I will say though, I mean, as much as I complain about being stuck here in Atlantic Canada, my favorite thing about it is how crazy the weather is. The weather is nuts. It reminds me, I was saying how I was playing Breath of the Wild last time. And like when you go to the, the Akla area where there's like thunderstorms and stuff, and then you go to the snow area and all this stuff, like that's how it feels here. The weather is so radically different so quickly. I mean, we have the Bay of Fundy, we have the biggest tides in the world, we have some of the biggest weather shifts in the world. I do really like that. I like that the weather is just fucking bananas out here. It's fun. Like the West Coast has more calm weather, but it never rains hard. There's never a thunderstorm. It's just like this piddly, annoying, misty rain all the time, <laughs> you know? Where here it's just like, blah, rain time, fuck you cool but yeah as I was saying the downside <laughs> to the Atlantic provinces is that the doctor situation is horrible and it's like beyond cartoonish I couldn't even make this up it's so dumb so I was talking about how hard it is to see a doctor around here our lack of doctors two people in my province of New Brunswick died in waiting rooms one of them happened in this town they just sat in the waiting room for so long that they died. That's so fucking insane. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So the Minister of Health got fucking fired. Hopefully things will change around here. But at this point, yeah, like I just trying to do the telephone lottery to try to get through to a clinic. I called literally hundreds of times till I lost my temper and punched the phone. I still have like a little can see the marks on my knuckles and I'm just like I'm not doing it anymore I'm just I can't I cannot fucking it is so because I'm like sound sensitive also I think I have a bit of misophonia I hate repetitive sounds even just like in video games I turn off like when the like the units in a video game have a little thing they say whenever you click on them I can't deal with that I turn all that shit off so just imagine this scenario you call the clinic, you press redial, then it rings, then it goes to, of course, it's busy because you can't get through, so you go, and you hang up. Now do that 200 times in one hour and see if you don't go fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you don't, but I fucking do. I fucking hate it. And it's just, I'm just getting worked up over this. Who gives a shit? But it's like dehumanizing. It's absurd. I'm not doing it. So now that I've learned how to kind of quite uh, effectively manage my chronic pain and I can just walk around and do normal shit again, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I just won't sit down for a while and eventually this fucking medical situation in this town has to improve. It can't get worse. But anyway, so that's that. That wasn't one of the three things. That's just because I spent the whole last episode talking about this. I just figured I should wrap that up.
at some point I probably have uh, minor day surgery in my future. But for now, it's very, thankfully, very tolerable. Holy shit, this tree I'm walking past, it's just like, this is a perfect uh, candidate for falling down. The top of the tree is gone. I don't know where it is. I don't see it having fallen anywhere. So obviously this, what's left of it, I mean, it's still, it's about 20 feet tall, 25 feet tall. It's clearly dead, but all of its bark has blown off from the wind. So it's just a barkless half of a tree standing here. Like that's gonna fall down, that's for sure, <laughs> you know? So, okay. Enough rambling, or I was going to say, enough rambling about not writing. Now let's ramble about writing. So three things that I had in mind. So I'm uh, getting real close to the end of this chapter. And I realized I keep saying like, oh, three chapters to go, two chapters to go. In that tally, I wasn't actually including the last chapter for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know, because it's so sewn up. I have so many notes for it and I've thought through it so many times I almost feel like it doesn't count. So this chapter that I'm almost done, there is one more tiny little in-between chapter than the last chapter. But all of this feels pretty easy. It's all... it's not no man's land anymore. It's not that three-quarter stretch where my notes started to get scant. I got so many notes. I got more notes for the last chapter than for anywhere else. It's gonna be it's not gonna go fast, but it's gonna be easy. I know what's gonna fucking go down here. So I'm still kind of going slow, but I don't feel like guilty about it. I always felt kind of weirdly guilty by how slow I was going. I was always kind of half apologizing for how long it's taken me to write this book. Not that anyone fucking cares. It's just hard to shake that notion that it should take X amount of time and it's taken me more time and, and that's fine. It's just how it is, but but I don't know. Human brains, right? What can I say? We're guilt machines. But now I feel like I'm kind of going slow uh, just because I want to now. It's like, ah, eh, fuck it. I'm this close to the end. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to get there. I got it all figured out. I got everything planned out. It's all good. And in some ways, I mean, I bet I'm going to look back and be like, you know, this was the best of times. <laughs> just wandering through the woods every day, just writing, keeping to myself, no pressure, no one cared. Like, what are the options here when I finish? Option A, this book is not successful and goes nowhere. That's kind of a downer. But option B, maybe this is just my neuroses talking, but what if it's a big success? Like, there's a lot of downsides to that as well. Because I don't really care about money. I mean, I can just live a cheap-ass life purely through inheritance money if I had to. I mean, I'm a cheap dude. <laughs> I always go to the grocery store and I just buy whatever's half price, and that's what I eat today. My computer is old and slow, because I just got the cheapest, oldest, shittiest one. I just don't care about money. It's not a big deal. I'm just a pretty frugal person. My favorite thing is to live out of a book bag, you know, that everything I own fits in a book bag. The most expensive stuff I did is, I mean, obviously traveling around and living in Airbnbs was somewhat expensive. But when you counterbalance that with that I don't have uh, anything else I'm paying for, you know, I wasn't paying for another apartment, I wasn't paying for a mortgage. If I wrote some book that made a bunch of money, which is very unlikely to happen, but even if it did happen, like, it's just not going to change my lifestyle at all. I'm still going to want everything I own to fit in a book bag. I'm probably still just going to, you know, buy whatever's half price at the supermarket. I kind of like it. It's like you just, it's up to fate. It's like, what am I going to eat today? Who knows? What's half price? Hopefully it's butter chicken and it's not fucking a boring kale salad, but whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever. And the downsides to success are, are just like being visible, being observed, having people care. 
It's not a comfortable place to be. It's so much more comfortable to just be invisible, to just be on your own, just doing your own thing. Like it's so low pressure that I can just sit here for five years and work on this book and there's a, you know, some people listening to this podcast, but there's really no pressure to finish. I mean, can you imagine being, what's the Game of Thrones guy's name? J.R.R. Martin? Just imagine being that guy, the pressure now. Everybody knows Game of Thrones. And even if like, you know, each little individual person probably doesn't feel like they're putting that much pressure on him of just like, hey, where's the next book? Hey, where's the next book? But when you get like a zillion of those little things, I mean, it's just, uh, it must just get in your head, you know? Like when you just go to sit down and write for the day, you're not just by yourself anymore. Like I feel like it's easier for me to be clear-headed as things are now, because it's just, it's just me, just me and the story. I mean, the, the tiny little taste I got of that was just like 10 years ago when I was living in New York and I would be on podcasts. Still very obscure podcasts with relatively small listenerships, but it was more than enough to just like neurotic me out, <laughs> you know, just like you just feel like you're being watched. You just feel like you're in the spotlight and I don't like that feeling. It's not good. So yeah, failure has its problems and success has its problems too, <laughs> you know? Like, like usually when you look back, you're like, oh, those were the, I wish I appreciated at the time that those were the best times. But I feel like I can kind of do that now. I know I'm gonna look back at this and be like, this was kind of the best time. Just working on that first novel, not knowing yet that I would either A, be a big failure, or B, never be able to just sit in my anonymity again. Which I think is another reason why I just don't, I don't pre-plan that much. I don't think that much about what's going to happen. How am I going to move forward with this book? I just don't want to think about it. I only want to think about the book. I just want to live in this little moment for as long as I can. So I'm going extra slow, deliberately at this point. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy this final runway. But that being said, all of the benefits of going slow are still true that I've talked about many times. And like I just ran into a thing the other day where, so this is like the last time that the two main characters of this book are going to hang out. And I got to this part where basically Sarat the Rhino Girl is kind of playing this game with Quaylon the Jellyfish Boy that kind of involves tackling him off of a big scaffolding real high up. And it's like if he doesn't grab on, they're both going to die. But she didn't tell him that they're playing this game, you know? And he did grab on and it was fine, but... But he is understandably disturbed, you know, of like, like, this chick really is crazy. We could have just died. What the fuck was that? But I'm just kind of taking my time, working my way through this conversation. And I just realized last night, I just had like a little, okay, how do I get again? How do I get from here to there? What's the next logical moment? And I was lying in bed last night and I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> she should ask him if he's angry about what she just did. But it took me like a day to think of that. It didn't occur to me right away. Like, oh, he's probably gonna actually be pretty fucking disturbed by what just happened, <laughs> you know? And as hard-headed as she is, surely she'll notice that or it'll cross her mind. But I thought it was funny that it took me like a day or a day and a half for that very obvious thing to occur to me. So you could look at it two ways of like either I'm just real dumb. That's possible. Maybe I'm going so slow because I'm just a big dummy. But it also made me think of that thing people say all the time of, uh, you know, like the stories write themselves or the characters tell you what they want to do. 
or that concept of the muse of like where do ideas come from like they're not really your ideas you just have to be ready to receive them you just have to have your routine and be there ready to write every day so when the idea comes you're ready to catch it you're ready to grab it and i definitely do feel like all that stuff is basically true but the way i was thinking of it is it's kind of like since I do kind of feel like this story is kind of out of my control in some ways, like it's all just coming from my subconscious, you know, and I just have to go with what feels correct more so than it's not like I'm just hammering down a formula and an equation and filling in the blanks or whatever. I'm really just going with what feels natural, what feels correct what feels right for the next step in this story. So how it feels to me is it's like I'm peering into uh, events that have happened or that are real, you know? It's like I'm peering into this other world. I'm peering into this space station and I'm up in the rafters of the space station and I'm seeing these two characters and they're doing this weird shit of this chick tackles the guy off and like all this stuff's happening. but it does feel like it's happening in like another world. It's like I've got like a window into another dimension, but it's very, you know, it's a bad connection. It's a weird, fuzzy, difficult to see thing. And just because of the processes of the human mind or whatever, like thinking hard doesn't necessarily work. You kind of got to think laterally, let your mind move in abstract ways you can't just focus and see what's happening you have to see what's happening in this through this portal in this other dimension at a kind of the side of your eye just with the corner of your mind it takes time to to see it it's all fuzzy and it's not clear and you gotta take your time to like divine the information (laughs) and to see what's happening to these characters in this other world. That's how it feels. It's like it just takes time. It's just not clear. You gotta wait for it to come into focus. And again, there's just like I could give a zillion little examples, but that was just a weird one of like, it just took me a day, a little more than a day, it's like I could see I could see them sitting up in the rafters. I could see the aftermath of this weird little death game that they just played <laughs> where Quaylum grabbed on and they climbed back up and everyone was fine. But I couldn't see right away what the results were. It took a little while to realize like okay, she's pretty pleased. She's very energized by this weird dangerous thing she just did. But he's disturbed. He's quite bothered by this. (laughs) And yeah, again, I guess it's just there's the two ways I could look at it. I could either look at it as, wow, I sure am. I sure am a big lummox that it took me so long to just realize what basic reaction this fucking guy would have to this event (laughs) or the kind of fancier way to think of it and the less self-flagellating way is yeah it's just I'm just uh, I'm just looking at this story through a murky puddle so it takes a little time to see the details so that's number one of the three things that's the fancy pants artsy one maybe if you're in circumstances like mine (laughs) you know you're beating yourself up about how slow you are that's a way to think of it just like you're peering through I always kind of think of I thought it was really neat that uh, in the director's commentary for Donnie Darko Donnie Darko is quite an abstract movie and you kind of uh, if you like the tone of it I think you'll like that movie and then you can kind of dig into the details afterward where if you don't like the tone probably just a very frustrating movie because it's very open-ended but I kind of liked how even the guy who wrote and directed it Richard Kelly even he doesn't really know what it's about 
it's a combination of he sort of followed his muse with it and they had no money. So the whole thing turned out very weird. But one of his theories about Donnie Darko, it's kind of like a horror movie where this, this kid is like seeing things and it's like, is he just schizophrenic? What's happening? Or has he actually found himself in a pocket dimension and he has to do these certain tasks and these certain things to keep reality from collapsing? So it's a neat duality of the two things of like, is he just crazy or is this the thing that's happening? And Richard Kelly had this third view of it that I'd never thought of that he's like, what if, what if all this scary, spooky shit that's happening to him, to Donnie, what if that's somebody from, this is such a weird reading, but what if that's someone from the future who's trying to help him and knows he needs to do these certain tasks to keep this side tangent universe from collapsing. They're trying to help him, but it's so hard to send information into the past. It's such an inexact science that they might be trying to send him hard data and hard information, but by the time it arrives in his pocket dimension, it's just like guys in scary Halloween costumes and crazy bizarre shit happening and I thought that idea was so cool I'm actually I'm working on a story with that concept of like like it's such a neat idea and it's honestly not really present in Donnie Darko it's just this this reading that I think only the director himself could have no one else would have come up with that but it's such a cool idea of like you're trying to send information into the past but it, it shows up so garbled that the person in the past is interpreting it as horror. So fucking cool. But I always thought of that. And that's how, you know, that idea of, of the sending the, the garbled information into the past, that is just kind of how I feel when I'm working on this story. I'm peering into the other dimension and it's all, <laughs> it's all fuzzy and it's all weird. And it takes time to sort it out. But alright, I'm just repeating myself at this point. So thing number two. This was just a weird little idea, little thought I had the other day. So I remember when I was in Japan, I was talking... I've talked a few times about this other story I'm working on of the two girls trapped on an island. I've started working on it a little again recently. But it's not my work on it every day thing, it's just my side thing. It started getting very difficult and I let it go for a while. But one of the aspects of that story is uh, that I don't really describe characters. It's, it's different in the sci-fi story in Explode because it's like, here's Rhino Girl, here's Jellyfish Guy. I still don't go out of my way to overly describe them, but you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty set what their character physically is where when I write stories about just normal people just humans I, I just never describe them I just I hate that <laughs> you know it's that's the joke of fantasy stories is like oh there's the the lead female character guess what she has red hair and green eyes <laughs> oh you don't say <laughs> you know so it's either like a cliche like that or you could say well she's got brown hair and brown eyes but then it's like well then why'd you bother bringing it up who gives a fuck blonde hair and blue eyes I don't know it's all just it's it's either pointless or or rote you know I just don't see the point I don't know I feel like uh, the way I kind of approach things when I read stuff is a character's personality to me informs how they look or you can infer how they look based on their personality and on how other people react to them. You don't need to say that somebody is beautiful and you don't need to say that somebody is gawky and awkward because it should be obvious just by their place within their life, how they are and how other people are around them. So I kind of go out of my way not to describe people at all and I think another bonus to that I thought it was really interesting when I was in New York to see book advertisements in the subway. 
they'd just be advertising like uh, basically sort of harlequin type books but they'd be like a harlequin detective novel but because of the mixed demographics taking the subway in New York the lady detective with love problems on her mind who may or may not be a vampire is probably also Hispanic you know and I thought oh that's kind of cool in whitewashed Canada you don't see that that often I never really thought about it but it made me realize like that's kind of a an unintended bonus I just don't describe characters because I don't like it but it's probably a bonus too of like if you're reading a story and you naturally want to imagine the characters as the same race as you, you could do that <laughs> with my stories because I ain't ever going to say. Again, I kind of I like inferring stuff a little. Like I'm working on this one story that the characters have uh, French names. You could kind of infer that it takes place in France or in Quebec. But I'm not going to say it. It's just if you look hard enough, you could see that that's there. Anyway, the problem I thought of with this is just, uh, what do you do about book covers? You know, how do you show characters without nailing down an ethnicity, without nailing down a specific visual look? I wished there was a way to avoid that, but I couldn't think of what it was. So then, one of the stories that I'm picking away at slowly is about this girl gang who all wear different colored jeans. They're based on characters from the Paul Pope comic, Heavy Liquid. There were these really cool characters that they all wore wife beaters and jeans. And they were only in the story a little bit and they were so cool that I'm like, man, I want to write a whole story about them. So their whole thing is that they're differentiated in the gang by what color jeans they wear. The leader of the gang is red jeans. The new girl is green jeans. There's tangerine jeans. <laughs> I don't think there is a blue jeans. I think that's too boring. But I was thinking it would be cool for the, the cover of that novel. Basically red jeans is like crazy. She's the crazy one. I thought it would be cool to show like the five girls in the gang but they're like silhouettes you know their bodies are just blank so you see their white sleeveless shirts you see their different colored jeans and their shoes that correspond to the jeans but their bodies are just solid black like uh, you know like slippery when wet sign you know or like and I thought that would be cool just, just so that the focus is on the color of their jeans, because that's the main thing. But then I thought also their faces could all just be blank, just a black head shape, but red jeans could have smiling red lips. She's the only one smiling. And I just thought that would be a cool cover, that would be a neat cover image for that story. And then I thought, what if that became a thing? What if that was like a stylistic thing that I just did over and over? Again, not for the sci-fi story because that's different. <laughs> but for these stories about humans, like what if the cover of the book about the two girls trapped on an island was the similar thing of just like they're both wearing their school uniforms, their little like private school dresses, but their bodies are just blank, just black. So it could, uh, it could do two things. It could just be a neat visual style you know it could be a thing that kind of ties together stories I work on like oh that's that's that guy his covers always look like that of just like a almost like a stick figure person and the only detail is the clothing that they're wearing but then also that could have the sort of side benefit of this is just a human this is not a specific type of human there's nothing here to uh, to pin this person down as for as being from a specific demographic because that's just not unless it is important in a story but at this point in my stories it's really not important so why not leave it 
leave it up to interpretation. And I just thought that was kind of neat because, uh, I don't know, it's nice to like have the idea at least because who knows how things would go. I guess if I'm like self-publishing books, then hey, it's all me. I got to figure out these covers and <laughs> do that myself. If it's like a publisher thing, who knows if they'd even want to hear from me. Maybe they'd be like, shut up. Stop telling us how to do our job. <laughs> but I like the idea that if someone asks or whatever, if they want some input, I at least have a thought now. I have an idea where before I did not. All right, the last thing ties into Song of the Day. Because I was listening to a song that gave me an idea for one of my stories, which is kind of... Uh, appropriate because it's one of the stories that is the most music based. So the romance story that I was working on based on my getting stuck overnight in a Russian airport, which I guess that'll never happen again, right? I mean, the flight through Russia was the uh, cheapest way to get to Japan. But for obvious reasons, that won't be happening again. I guess I'm glad I got to have a tiny taste of Russia, because I ain't going back to that fucking place. But I had this uh, idea for a little meet-cute story of a guy who gets stuck overnight in an airport in Russia and gets so enamored with this girl he meets that he doesn't catch his connecting flight and he just stays in the airport for a while. And then I had all these different songs that I played that kind of made me think of different periods in the story, different little anchor points in the story. <laughs> Which uh, I don't usually pay much attention to my podcast numbers. I only ever see them really if I have to go in and change something, some setting or something in iTunes or Spotify. But I did notice that the, you know, the very first whack of episodes obviously have the most downloads, but then there's a big spike at the how to write a romance story or working on a romance story, whatever that was called, that like little series. That first one has a shit ton of downloads. And I think uh, that must be a weird place to drop in. Where I think this podcast in general, people have kind of said to me, like they sort of expect, like I thought when I clicked on this podcast it was going to be the little ukulele song and then the fucking person in a just a quiet room talking about and then the, the curve of the fucking I don't even know I don't know writing shit right <laughs> and then instead it's me yelling at the weather and talking about how Kevin Smith is my unknown brother and all this weird shit so yeah, in that case, you just drop in and you think you're going to hear somebody talking about <laughs> a normal romance story and instead I'm just playing all these songs and talking about Russia. I don't know, I guess if anybody started with that episode and actually stuck with this podcast, drop me a line, but I suspect I will hear from no people. I don't think that was a thing. But because that story always was so related to music for me, I guess it's not that surprising that music also kind of bailed me out with it because that, that story I haven't been working on but in a more deliberate way, for a more deliberate reason because I just find romance so hard to do because just as I get older and older I just don't believe in it anymore, <laughs> you know? Or like all of my experiences with being in relationships were so super intense and then generally went so bad. That's one reason why now in my somewhat older age, I'm just chilling out on my own because it's just like, not only does this never necessarily go that well, but I really don't trust myself. Like, I don't even trust my own, uh, what's the word, intentions? Like I don't know if I really am looking for a nice stable relationship or if I'm just looking for a drug hit, you know? It's just like, oh man, it feels so good to be in the throes of romance and just being so into somebody and it just kind of envelops your whole life and it's like... It's like using another person 
as your fix, as your drug, you know? And then it's like such a weird thing that you can kind of recognize that that might be what's going on, but it doesn't solve it. I don't know. I mean, I guess the only way out is through, right? With pretty much every problem. If I ever am to solve this uh, dilemma, there's only one way to do it, which is just, hey, get back in the game. Work this situation out. But it's been uh, very easy to stay out of the game because, you know, when I started this podcast, I was traveling all the time and just kind of doing my own thing, traveling around. And then got stuck here in COVID town and it's just like, well, guess I'm just stuck here in COVID town. And yeah, I'm just not that interested, you know? I just feel like my life goes a lot smoother when it's just me. So why not? Even just like, I mean, I don't know, I felt a little bad about it, but... uh like the girl I dated when I lived in New York, she read that story Black Coffee that was in episode zero of this podcast. She dropped me a line and was like, hey, do you want to, I don't know, talk on the phone or whatever? And I was just like, it was before COVID, so I was still traveling a lot. So it was legitimately tough for me to keep in contact with anybody because like my phone was a dumb burner that didn't work outside of Canada. I was always at these Airbnbs where the Wi-Fi didn't work. It was legitimately a lot of hoops I had to jump through just to fucking call somebody. But also, it's just like, ooh, but I mean, you know? <laughs> like, what's the best case scenario here? That we're just gonna talk until we start fighting again? No offense to her, because again, like I'm saying, it's like so much on my end too, that I'm just like, uh, mm. You know, we're kind of in an all right place right now. Do we really want to push it? (laughs) I don't. And then, you know, reading about like tribal stuff and whatever, and just like tribal communities and the way human beings used to be. Even just that, like, instead of just these two people chained together trying to raise some kids and the stress of that, Instead, it's like, it takes a village, you know? It's just everybody looks after the community. Everybody looks after the kids. You might not even really know who your parent necessarily is. I mean, you know who your mom is, but... Like, romantic love sort of didn't really exist. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is it's hard to write a romance story because I guess I just, at this point in my life, I just don't believe in it anymore, (laughs) you know? I just don't really believe that it's a good idea. For me, at the very least. And I mean, hey, I'm the one fucking writing the thing, so if I don't believe in it, what's, you know, how am I going to make this believable or relatable? And even, like, like my old original novel that I failed to finish that I've talked about before, but this, this story Smile that I used to write on my website every week, it started as a high school romance story. And even back then, even back then when I still could get behind the idea of a romance story, it still just led to what it leads to for me in real life of just like mania, you know? And then when the breakup happens, it's like the worst thing in the world. And I mean, it started out as quite a nice little story. And by the time I abandoned it, it was, uh, Let's burn the school down, Nightmare Town. So I haven't been working on that story because, you know, even the moving forward slowly, picking away at it idea wasn't going to work because that, like, I I can't move towards something that isn't there. (laughs) You know, if, if I just don't have it in me, I can go as slow as I want. I can pick away as slow as I want. I can't, I can't proceed. I just, I don't know where to go. I don't know what this is. I'm at the path where the tree fell I was talking about earlier. There's a lot of people that do like mountain biking through here. So presumably someone will come chainsaw this up at some point. But for now, I gotta walk around it. But yeah, it's to the point where even with this story, as I was saying when I talked about it originally, I even already had some thoughts for if there were a sequel story. And in the sequel story, these people who met in the Russian airport, 
they end up getting together and they get married and they have some kids and by the time of the sequel they're already divorced like i haven't even really gotten that far in this story and i have already divorced them in the future you know because it's the only way i could see it going it's the only thing that felt real to me but that sure does make it hard to write the meat cute in the airport when I've already fucking put this relationship in its grave in my mind. But then I was listening to, this is such a great album. It's called The Good Life, Album of the Year. I don't remember the guy's name. I should have looked it up. I know the guy, he sings for a band called Cursive. And The Good Life is like a solo side project that he has. And I only know this one album because somebody recommended it to me. I've always meant to dig more into this guy's stuff because this album is so good. It's called Album of the Year because it's a 12-song album that covers a year-long relationship. And the first song, kind of as if it were a musical or something, the first song is kind of like the... Uh, I don't know what the musical term is, but like the overview, the overture <laughs> of what's gonna happen. Like the first song kind of does the recap of the whole year. Here's what's gonna happen, here's what's coming. And then the album gets into more detail. So yeah, song one is just called Album of the Year. And it's such a good song. Oh my God, it's so good. It was my friend Shannon who recommended this album to me. She used to do, for my XO podcast, she did the artwork for it. She'd make these cool collages. I haven't talked to her in a while. But man, she fucking nailed it with this recommendation. So it starts at like the silliest point where he's this dude, our, our hero, our main character. He's basically a bar fly, you know, he's in his 20s, I assume. He's always hanging out at bars and he was throwing up in the bathroom. And he was so drunk and fucked up that he was in the wrong one. He was in the ladies' room. That's when he met this girl. So they couldn't have met under more ridiculous circumstances. But it leads to a relationship. And, and this song captures so well that feeling of when you first are in a relationship with someone and how exciting it is. And specifically, the part that really hit me having not heard this in a little while, is that she would call him on her breaks from work and talk about how excited she was just to come home. And man, that, that reminded me so much, mostly of like my first girlfriend in Vancouver. It made me think of that, of just when you're, you're in a relationship with someone and you just like being with them. More than anything else, it doesn't matter what you're doing or What's going on? You just want to be around them. Like the best part of your day is just when you get to go see them again. And just that idea of this girl at work and she's just like, can't wait for work to be over so she can go home and hang out with this dude. So much so that even when she has a break, she just wants to call him and talk to him. And tell him <laughs> that she can't wait till she can come home. And uh, just, man, it's one of those little moments, that little thing that just is like, ah, oh, fuck yeah, I remember that feeling. I haven't thought about that in a while. And then the very next part, because that's the song that is the overview of the whole thing, is the last time that I saw her, you know? Goes straight from that to the last time <laughs> that we saw each other. Such a good song. And then there's another song on that album, Lovers Need Lawyers, that is so awesome too, that is like, it's like track nine or whatever. At this point, it's getting increasingly kind of hard to be on this dude's side because, you know, she met him at a bar. He's a barfly, but he's still a barfly. And in that song, it's like he, he's at a bar and he meets this other girl who grew up in the same town as him. And you know, it is relatively innocent of just like you meet someone at a bar and like, oh, you have something in common and you're just talking. But in this case, he's talking to a girl and they hang out all night drinking. And then when that bar closes, they take a cab across town over the bridge to another place to drink. So his girlfriend's upset about this kind of behavior and he's like, hey, 
Yes, I did hang out with this lady all night, but hey, she's from my hometown. That's not my fault. And I came home alone. I didn't do anything. I just came home alone. So it's like, yeah, he's right. Technically, he didn't do anything with this other woman. But on the other hand, it's very weird behavior, right? To just sit around drinking all night long with somebody else, <laughs> you know? Like the guy, just the way he is, his just, his, his lifestyle, he's just a hard man to trust. I'm going to play both those songs and then the song after that on the album, which I won't play because that's getting a little too much. It's like an eight minute epic, but it's the when you finally hear from the, the girlfriend's perspective. And it's like, oh man, it's heartbreaking. I'm just like, oh fuck yeah. You know, this dude's really, I mean, the whole album has been him putting a good spin on himself. But then you hear from the other side and it's like, yikes, yeah, I probably would have broke up with this guy too. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it's a really good album. So I'm going to play Album of the Year and Lovers Need Lawyers. But yeah, specifically that line of I can't wait to come home and just that feeling, being in that moment, that period of the relationship when you just, all you want in the world, your favorite thing in the world is just to be with that person. And I realized for my Russian airport story, that's all I need to do. I don't need to worry about the larger issue of romantic love and individual one-on-one -on -one relationships and like what does this mean? What is the long-term viability of this? Is this a sustainable thing? And if not, if you are getting into a relationship for it to be more like a business partnership or something, then maybe like would a, an arranged marriage or something be so bad? Why bring romance into it? Is that even helpful? If you just want to have a family, a stable family unit, maybe it's better not to, you know? Maybe it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself that you've got to love this person. What if you don't? What if this has all been a horrible mistake? <laughs> you know, all this stuff that I have no answers for and I'm not remotely capable of tackling and I don't even want to tackle. That's what was fucking me up with this story is like, what do I do about all this? Isn't it disingenuous if I don't deal with all of this? But then this song album of the year made me realize like, I don't have to worry about all this. That's not what this story is about. That is not the scope of this story. This story is literally like a week, if even, in these people's lives. This might not even be at that point where they're just really comfortably together. That would be like the peak, the farthest their relationship can possibly go in this week is this feeling from the album of the year song. And it probably won't even get that far. All I need to do is focus on those feelings, on that situation, on those memories and that, that aspect of a relationship is just, it's brand new. And it doesn't matter if it goes anywhere. It doesn't matter if it lasts. It doesn't matter if it's forever or not. I've just been getting in my own way by overthinking this way too much. And if I need to come back down to earth and I need to remind myself, I guess like what I found so good about this song is there's a million and one love songs, you know? Like uh, I always think about it in specific with like Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins. Because that guy's written a lot of songs and I feel like anytime he's just sort of not particularly lyrically inspired, he just, he just defaults to love. I'll just write another song about love. So what if I got 40 of them, <laughs> you know? Sometimes they're real good. Stand Inside Your Love, one of the best Smashing Pumpkin songs ever. But, but those songs don't mean anything to me. Or like all the 80s love ballads, like just that all-encompassing love, love, love. Like again, it's just, it's too abstract. It doesn't mean anything. I can't relate to that necessarily. Because it is one of these things that like, when I'm in it, when I'm infatuated with someone, I can't think of anything else. It's like a limerence or whatever. But then when the spell is broken, I can't remember it. 
Like that's how I know in my case, like it's not a healthy thing going on. It's not something that I should pursue willy nilly because it feels like the right thing to do. But uh, bitter experience has taught me that something much more akin to a drug fix is going on here. Because it's just, it's everything and then it's nothing. <laughs> it's fucking creepy. So that stuff just doesn't work for me. Love, 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 love. It's like, yeah, great. If I'm not feeling it right now, then I'm not feeling it right now. But that little moment, she called home from work just to say she can't wait to come home. That moment, I guess it's like also like that moment I can remember and that moment I can relate to. And that's where I feel like I guess if I were to get back on the horse and it's like, all right, let's try to sort myself out a bit. Let's try to figure out what a relationship would mean to me and how do I do this in a more healthy way. I feel like that's kind of where I could go back to. I could go back to moments like that and build from there. It's like, all right, if I'm at that point in a relationship, then what, you know, <laughs> then let's proceed from there. It's like, it, it's things are still at kind of a healthy point. Things have not blossomed into full infatuation necessarily. I don't know, maybe they have, maybe that's the tipping point where they just have, but things aren't out of control yet. <laughs> you know, it's still domestic. It's still comfortable. It's not like, oh my God, if this person leaves, my life is fucking over bullshit. I don't know. I still obviously have a lot to untangle, not only in life, but even just to be able to write this story. But it's such a grounding thought. It's such a grounding moment, such a, a nice place to come back to. If I'm, if I get confused about like, what am I doing with this story? What am I trying to express? What am I trying to accomplish? This song is such a perfect little bring me back down to like, this is what I want to get to. This is where I want to get to with these characters is I just want them happy to be around each other. And that's all. That's as far as it needs to go. So, all right, there we go. There's my three things with special guest to the wind. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is timed out just right that it's, uh, it's almost noon. I was thinking of hiking my way to the local Tim Hortons. But it's going to be a shit show for the next hour. <laughs> it just sucks at lunch. But I mean, it's a little ways away. It'll take me half an hour to get there. Yeah, I probably will do that. See if I dare sit down for another half an hour. Do a little more writing. But thank you very much for listening. This is Album of the Year and Lovers Need Lawyers by The Good Life super duper great album <laughs> and again like this podcast is so like i don't know if you're in again you're in this very specific situation maybe you're working on a romance story and you the scope of it is getting out of control because of your existential dilemma insofar as human romantic relationships go if that's causing you problems maybe this song will help all right talk to you next time First time that I met her, I was throwing up in the ladies' room stall. She asked me if I needed anything. I said, I think I spilled my drink. And that's how it started, or so I'd like to believe. She took me to her mother's house outside of town where the stars hang down. Said she'd never seen someone so lost I said I'd never felt so found And then I kissed her on the cheek And so she kissed me on the mouth Oh Spring was popping daisies up Round rusted trucks and busted lawn chairs 
We moved into a studio in Council Bluffs to save a couple bucks. Where the mice came out at night, neighbors were screaming all the time. We'd make love in the afternoons to Chelsea girls in Bachelor Number Two. I play for her some songs I wrote. She'd joke and say I'm shooting through the roof. I say they're all for you too. I'll write the album of the year, and I know she loved me then. I swear to God she did. It's the way she bite my lower lip and push her hips against my hips and dig her nails up deep into my skin. The first time that I met her, I was convinced. I had finally found the one. She was convinced I was under the influence of all those drunken romantics. I was reading Fonte at the time. I had Bukowski on the mind. She got a job at Jacob's serving cocktails to the local drunk. Against her will, I fit the bill. I perched down at the end of the bar. She said, "Space is not just a place for stars." I gave you an inch. You want a house with a yard? Then I know she loved me once, but those days are done. She used to call me every day from a payphone on her break for lunch. Just to say. In boxes with some pots and pans and books and a toaster. Just then, a mouse scurried across the floor.
Best me that you can.